Hello friends and welcome to another market crashing edition of Bad Flips and Maple Dips. Invest in us today and watch your stocks rise. You can... <laughs> that, that's probably the best opening that I've ever done. Uh, and by best I mean worst. It's, Pat <laughs> yeah, it's Patrick here in Halifax, Nova Scotia hanging out with Justin Anderson, the, aka The Professor, aka The Wolf of wall street aka <laughs> the turnip king yeah hanging out in animal crossing uh justin how is your week how have you been well i've been good so uh, as i'm sure a few listeners know i work in i work in software sales so the month came to an end and i was able to uh celebrate with some some five guys uh burgers and fries last night to cap off uh, an excellent month and then it got better this morning, thanks to, or I guess it's this afternoon now, thanks to uh, Patrick and his Animal Crossing turnip prices. <laughs> so <laughs> we we meant to start recording that episode about an hour ago. Um, it's now, uh, it's 12.39 in Saskatoon on, on, on Saturday. And <laughs> we sat down around 11.30 and I said to Patrick, I was like, I have a, I have a problem. I bought, a, I bought over a million bells, the Animal Crossing currency worth of turnips. And the price on my island is now half of what I bought them for. So I was looking at a pretty bad loss. But luckily, um, on Patrick's Island, they were worth more than double of what I paid for them. So I was able to sell not only my turnips, but also my girlfriend's turnips too. And avoid a, uh, a calamity of, of losses. So I appreciate uh, <laughs> The, the turn up rescue this morning <laughs> that was it was an epic uh, hour of yeah. sitting around and <laughs> watching money roll turn ups back and forth yeah over about three million bells of, of turnips were uh were sold on on patrick's island this morning so stimulating that economy <laughs> that's right that's right bring up the uh the gdp of uh, my island uh, seemingly overnight in a mysterious uh, turn of events, import export uh, twist. Uh, <laughs> fun times, uh, but yeah. you know what is also fun? Following us on Twitter at BFMD Podcast. That's a nice little transition there. I kind of <laughs> stole the idea from Clayton. Yeah, from way back in the day, he used to have these cool transitions. Um, but nonetheless, you can find us there on Twitter. Uh, we're a good follow if you like Blue Jays news. We are on Anchor, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, TuneIn, and Stitcher. We're everywhere. If you look us up, Bad Flips and Maple Dips, anywhere, throw it into the Google machine. It'll tell you everything you need to know about the podcast. You can listen to us wherever you want. Give us a like. Uh, give us a five-star review, two seconds, two seconds of your life just to do a little thing, do a little thing like that. It's worth it. Uh, as always, thanks for listening. Um, and as exciting as it was to talk about, uh, animal crossing <laughs> market collapses, uh, and shorting stocks and all this other foolishness, we got to start the episode on a bit of a dour note. Yeah. I know it sucks, man. The older that we get, the more we're going to have. Uh, legends of the game pass away. It's just that's how time works. That's that's how the passage of time works. Uh, and we lost a big one this past week. Um, we might as well just get right into it. Um, before I do, though, you know, I'm just I'm having a hard time even just reading this without getting a little uh, emotional about it. Justin Hank Aaron passed away this past week. Yeah. Obviously, one of the best players ever to play the game. Do you, what's your first? What was your initial reaction when you when you saw this on uh, on Twitter? I, I think my initial reaction was like, man, I I didn't know Hank Aaron was that old. It's like you just like you you kind of view these legends of of sport as almost like immortal at some point, where it's like, oh yeah, it was just yesterday that he that he broke Babe Ruth's record, where it was like. What, 40 years ago almost at this point um or was it even that long i don't even know anymore like time is relative but yeah like for me it was like i i had a hard time even thinking like, oh hank Aaron wasn't that old there's no way he he could have died already so it's kind of like a bit of disbelief but then i mean you you see all of the stories coming out fergie jenkins was posting a bunch of things about hank on 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 twitter uh which is cool to see that 
even though they were competitors, they had a very high respect for each other and everybody coming out with all these great stories about Hank. So I think, uh, um, like you said, yeah, the more, the older that, that we get, the, the more of these conversations we're going to be going to be having with these legends of the sport. But yeah, it's it, a guy who truly was a, a good, a good human being and a, an even better baseball player. So he'll be missed for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I have a bit to say about this. Um, it's not going to be too long. Usually when uh, when this happens, I like to have a little kind of eulogy. So I'm just going to I'm just going to get this out there and then we're going to move on. Obviously, we have a tremendous amount of respect for Hammer and Hank. Um, I would like to dedicate my efforts on the podcast for the next year to Hammer and Hank Aaron. And, um, yeah, um, he was a baseball icon. Uh, he was more than just a legend though, because legends are stories that are based in truth, but are often exaggerated for dramatic effect. Uh, there was nothing legendary about what Hank Aaron could do on the baseball diamond. It was all true. Uh, he was as real as they come, and while he broke many baseball records, he also helped to break down uh, racial walls in the deep south of the United States. This doesn't get talked about a lot because it's 2021, uh, and uh, maybe the newer generation of fans don't quite understand, but uh, when the uh, Milwaukee Braves moved to Atlanta in uh, 1965, I think it was, uh, Hank Aaron was not only the star of that team he was also the star of the league he was you know he was hammer and hank he was he was the hammer he was the the best home run hitter at the time um and you know he is he he was a black man and uh he was you know on pace to shatter babe ruth's uh home run record and he did and that was a big deal for a lot of people um, but I don't really want to talk too much about stats when it comes to Hank Aaron, because you can find them all online. You guys know what the records are uh, and how all the way through his 20s and all the way through his 30s, he dominated at the plate. Uh, you know, I never got to see him play because he retired 11 years before I was born. Um, but I'm able to look back and look at that stuff. And I, I look at the way that his contemporaries talk about him in interviews you mentioned ferguson jenkins um but he's he right up there with guys like muhammad ali and jackie robinson when it comes to cultural impact uh so when he wasn't hitting home runs uh the dude was hitting for contact too he hit 20 home runs for 21 consecutive seasons and he hit over 300 for his entire career and he hit well over 300 uh, almost every season that he played. He also stole 240 bases. <laughs> uh, he was a three-time gold glover, always an all-star. Uh, I believe he holds the record for most consecutive all-star game appearances. It was 20-something years in a row. Yep. Um, regardless of whether he was playing or not, uh, regardless of what teams were playing, if he was in the ballpark, he was the best hitter. Uh, he was just a force of nature. And again, we can't say it enough. Hank Aaron was a cultural icon synonymous with both uh, baseball as well as uh, black culture in the United States uh, and certainly in Canada as well. Uh, he was just the best. And I think while he will always be synonymous with baseball and home runs, I think he will also be uh, very fondly remembered uh, as a man who had the ability to unite two different groups of people um, with what he was able to do. And I think that's something that's that was very special, especially when uh, when this was happening all in the 60s, right? Um, during the uh, the civil rights movement in the United States. I don't know too much about it. I mean, I, obviously I've read about uh, MLK and Jackie Robinson and Malcolm X and and Hank Aaron was a was a part of that uh, in that he uh, you know he he he's a cultural icon um, and he will he'll be he he will be missed. Any final thoughts on uh, Hank Aaron? 
No, I, I think you covered it best. Yeah, Hank Hank was one of the best to ever play the game. He's still among records, uh, record leaders. He's got the most RBIs ever in big league history. Most total bases. Most total bases as well, too. So, yeah, yeah 25 years in a row as an all-star, um, 27 seasons in the league. So Jeez. The, his first season and his last season were the only seasons that he was not an all-star. Um, so, yeah, just a truly incredible career and to be to be so good for so long. Um, yeah, one of the best to ever play the game for sure. Uh, I would say I would make the argument that Hank Aaron was the best hitter that baseball's ever seen. Because he just he could do everything. He had contact, he had power, he could hit for extra bases. Look at how many doubles he had in his career. Total bases, he blows everybody else out of the water. He just he it's uh, what he did in his career is untouchable uh, unless you use performance enhancing <laughs> drugs yeah and i'll leave it at that hank aaron we're gonna miss you um you were just the best and that's all there is to it justin there's a lot of news to cover in this episode so yeah uh, take us take us on the ride man for sure so blue jays uh news we signed infielder marcus Semyon, former oakland athletic to a one-year 18 million dollar contract he took more money on a one-year deal from us than he had offers for two or three-year deals from other teams. Uh, he wanted to do the old show-me deal that everyone else is doing now to try and hit for agency next winter again. Um, Simeon primarily plays second base and shortstop, but he can also play third base too. Uh, it kind of does a good thing to solidify our infield a little bit more. It probably means uh, that, that Kevon Biggio is, is, is going to be um, third base most of the time, but also he could pretty much play anywhere. So still don't have a full-time third base, third baseman, assuming that Vladi doesn't win that position, which God, I don't think he can. Um, but Kevin Biggio is probably our best position player there now. But Simeon was a MVP finalist in 2019 and was the second team all in all MLB player that year. So uh, had a very good 2019. Not so good of a start in 2020, but his last um, 40 games or so of 2020, he was on pace for like a, a four to five war full season number. So Patrick, what are your initial thoughts? Were you surprised to see they bring another infielder? Yes, but also no. It's hard to explain because on one hand, we do have a bit of an issue at third base. On the mm -hmm. other hand, um, I don't know how to pronounce his last name, so I looked it up. Is it Marcus Semien or Semien? I've always, been, I've always seen it as Semien. Semien? Yeah. I don't know. I When I looked it up, it said Semien. Yeah, I don't that know doesn't look. Sure. I don't know if that <laughs> makes sense. But anyway, nonetheless... Um, he doesn't address the issue at third base, but he does add a lot of depth. And the fact that it's one year, $18 million, holy shit, that's a lot of money. But he adds so much depth to this team now. Yeah. You've got, you know, between him, Kavan Biggio, Vladimir Guerrero, who can technically play more than one position, um, there's so much infield depth that, it really doesn't matter what the batting order looks like because everybody's going to be able to mash the baseball. Uh, there's just so much skill. Uh, and what I like the most about this signing is um, this gives us a, I, I guess you could say, um, like a, more of an anchor at second. Mm -hmm. uh, even though I just said there's a lot of flexibility. And I a would good backup him, for, for Bo in case anything happens too, right? He can yeah, exactly. spot he's in at shortstop as well. He's an extreme upgrade from Santiago Espinal, Joe uh, who was who who uh, and Joe Panic, who uh, Espinal will 100% be on the the 25 man or whatever it is roster yeah. uh, next year. He will see some more starts. He'll we'll see we'll be seeing more of him, and he'll get a chance to play. But this upgrade here, um, it it means a lot as far as uh, our hitting. Because he's such a great hitter. Yeah. Google um, says that's pronounced Samin is his last Samin? Yeah, Marcus. We Samin. should probably, we're, we might as well get used to it because I imagine we're going to be saying it a lot during the season. Yeah, I would say do so. Do you think, do you think 
the one year this is just his like show me deal where yeah 100 percent. you don't think there's any chance of him coming back for i I don't know i wouldn't say there's any i don't think there's no chance but he to me he looks like a stopgap to when guys like austin martin and jordan groshans come to the bigs likely next season um it's a like like we have here in the notes a low risk high reward uh contract for us and we're not tied to him long term it's not like we're stuck with another year of Shinyamaguchi or Tanner work with this guy in case it doesn't work out for him. But if he yeah. can even like be average for his career, he's in via an upgrade over the guys that we've had in like kind of that second base slash backup infield utility role over the past few years. Um, but speaking of Austin Martin and Jordan Groshans, the MLB uh, pipeline re- released their 2021 top prospects. No surprise. Nate Pearson, is number 10 prospect in baseball, the top right-handed pitching prospect. He still has his prospect status due to the fact that he only pitched 18 innings in the bigs last year. Uh, Austin Martin coming in at number 22, which is awesome to see. Jordan Groshans at number 46. He took a bit of a fall just because of the in the injuries in 2019 and then obviously not having played in 2020. And then Simeon Woods-Richardson comes in at number 87. Um, guys who didn't make the cut are Elvis Martinez and Alejandro Kirk, but you got to assume that they'd probably be in that 100 to 125 range just based on their, uh, internal rankings in our system. Um, it's pretty cool to see, uh, three guys in the top 50 and then of course four in the top, the top 100. I think the most that any team had was six in the top 100. So we're not far off having one of the top farm systems still in baseball. And yep, obviously we're the, definitely the, still top five. Yeah. And obviously definitely. the top, the top end of our farm system is very, very good. So um lots of guys coming coming soon uh austin martin and jordan groshans both had uh etas of 2022 on their on their numbers so i mean they play shortstop and third base both of them so the the infield is going to be interesting the next few years to see what's going to happen there's going to be some some positional swaps or some or, or some trades that are made but uh the jays are definitely in a very good place with the young core already in the big leagues the signing of springer uh, and then these guys on the way. I mean, you look at it this way. Outside of Nate and Simeon Woods-Richardson, we've got a lot of other pitchers in the system like Alec Manoa, Adam Klopfenstein, who are going to make their way up these rankings too. Um, the Jays do need to acquire some more pitching. We know that that's a weakness. We'll be talking about that here shortly. But overall, I think our farm system's in a great spot. Yeah, absolutely. I'm surprised to see Nate Pearson still on this list at all. Um, but I guess that'll be... He hasn't graduated yet. He'll come off at this season. Like yeah, April, um, I'm surprised to see him uh, at 10. I expected him to be a bit higher because he is the highest ranked right-handed pitcher in baseball uh, prospects right now. Um, at the same time, though, yeah, he's going to graduate. And there's there's actually a lot in the top 10, I think, that are going to be graduating yeah. in 2022. So Austin Martin is going to move up very, very quickly. Uh, and uh, so will Simeon Woods-Richardson. Uh, I think a lot of the the rankings too are probably stifled stifled by the fact that there was no minor league season last yeah. year. So uh, a lot of uh, we've probably seen a little bit of uh, a, a little bit of a, a logjam, uh, especially from you know the to- the bottom uh, twenty or thirty prospects are mm-hmm, probably mm-hmm. not much better than the next like thirty after a hundred. There's just a lot of prospects right now that just haven't had a chance to to play do anything. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Austin so, Martin's at 22 without a minor league at bat. So, right. Yeah. I mean, he literally he's literally debuting at 22, which to me projects him out to probably crack the top five before he graduates. He could be, be by a season's end a top 10 prospect for sure. Yeah, and I don't know if he necessarily will be ready by 2022. Uh, or 2023. Who are the two that are uh, projected? Groshans and Martin. Okay, I don't think one. I I think Austin Martin is going to need at least one season of of seasoning. In addition, Groshans, it depends. Yeah, Martin um, is 21 though, right? He did play in college, so he's not a high school kid. That's right. I forgot that he played in college. Yeah, he Groshans played for Vandy. Was a high schooler. So yeah. Groshans is what two years younger than Martin? Uh, Groshans is 21 as well. Um, oh. Because we drafted him out of high school in right. um, 20, that was two years ago, yeah, uh, twenty nineteen, I guess would have been something like that. Yeah, yeah, okay. Like 
Yeah, and Adam Klopfenstein is the same age. He's going to crack the top 100 long before he debuts. Yeah, so um, like, there's a lot of guys coming for the Jays. Yeah, I'm surprised uh, Alejandro Kirk would even be considered. I would imagine he is destined to graduate, especially uh, with 2022 uh, coming right around the corner. We're probably about two weeks away for pitchers and catchers reporting. Yay! Yeah, it's it's coming, and we, we don't really know. We still don't know what the playoff format's going to be for this year. Um, they the voted against players expanding. voted against it, so yeah. uh, as well as the DH, too, was voted against, universal yeah. DH. So NL, the NL looks to be back to the pitchers batting this year. Um, but we don't really know what, what baseball is going to look like. Uh, obviously, COVID is still running rampant in the United States. Uh, the vaccines are coming, but they're still not just like Canada, nowhere close to having a, a large number of the population in the, in place. So we, we were kind of just playing it by ear. As of now, spring training is scheduled to start uh, on schedule with the season beginning at the end of March. Um, but the Blue Jays still don't know if they'll be able to play in Toronto yet. Obviously, the, the Raptors are playing in Tampa Bay as their home uh, court right now. And then, mm-hmm. then in the NHL, we have the All-Canadian Division. So it based on those two leagues, it would seem as though the Jays would not be playing in Toronto, at least to begin the season, unless there is a, a drastic uh, change in the next two months in terms of COVID numbers and also vaccines. So we'll see, but we don't really want to speculate too much on that. Um, in other news around the league, Masahiro Tanaka headed back to Japan. Um, I mean, Patrick has in here, we're not said that he's playing outside of our division because he was very difficult to, to play against. Uh, he was always good against the Jays. We would like to see them sign him, but uh, he's out of the league entirely now. Um, the Thank big God. news last night coming out of, of Colorado was that the Rockies are trading Nolan Arenado to the St. Louis Cardinals. The deal is still pending approval from both Major League Baseball and the MLB Players Union, but the Rockies will be uh, sending the Cardinals around $50 million uh, to cover Arenado's salary, and he's going to defer some money. They're also adding a uh, extra year onto his contract for $15 million. I think he has about eight years left on his deal. He's on he's something a 10-year deal with the Rockies. Um, but he does have opt-outs after the 21 and 22 seasons. So interesting deal, a lot of cash-moving not a lot of players in return. The full trade hasn't really been finalized yet, but it doesn't seem like there'll be too many prospects going back, if any, to the Rockies. Um, what were your thoughts on the on a cash-heavy trade, Patrick? It's so weird. Um, yeah. The whole situation is, is, if you're a Rockies fan, it's awful. Uh, Arenado was completely alienated mm-hmm. um, by team management, and he wanted out. So this was the best deal that the Rockies could get, and that's pretty pathetic. Um, a top 20 player in baseball, maybe even arguably top 10, a guy who's won pretty much every gold glove. And, and you're, eating, the league. you're eating $50 million yeah. in salary. So he's yeah. being paid $50 million by the Rockies to play against the Rockies. <laughs> Uh, from time to time. Yeah. Um, Arenado is going to be deferring money on this one. Uh, yeah. And he does have an opt out for 2022. And then Both I think this season and next season. Yeah. Yeah. He gets another one after this season too, which is wild. So if he just isn't interested in playing in, uh, in St. Saint Saint Louis, which I, I'm going to go ahead and guess and say he probably wants to play somewhere else. Uh, at least he has a chance to start fresh. So this is kind of a show me year. He'll opt out, and then at 29 he'll hit free agency uh, and try to get some of that George Springer uh, <laughs> level of money. But Arenado is one of the best players in baseball right now. Yeah, like you said uh, he will not have any trouble finding a place to play if he's not interested in sticking around in St. Louis. Uh, terrible deal for the Rockies. Uh, terrible for the team that's already in the middle of a rebuild. They're going to be shedding salary like a snake sheds its skin. <laughs> um, there's just there's a lot of work to be done in Colorado. Yeah. Um, a couple of signings in Philadelphia. Guy the Jays had been linked to, Didi Gregorius, signed a two-year, $28 million deal with the, uh, with the Phillies. That came out this morning. And then another signing with the Phillies was JT Realmuto, 
in agreement on a five-year, $115.5 million contract, pending a wow. physical, of course. That came out on the 26th. So the Phillies locking in a couple guys um, into their core. Uh, I like both the deals. Gregoris had to be linked to the Jays before we had signed Marcus Samin, so obviously didn't have a need for him after that. But both really good young players. JT Real Muto is one of the best catchers in baseball, one of the few catchers who can hit very, very well. So uh, I love the deal there. Yep. Um, glad that Gregorius is out of the division as well. Uh, he is one of the fiercest competitors uh, and one of the best players I've seen on the Yankees uh, in a while, in a hot minute. Glad to see him going to Philadelphia. Uh, dude got paid a lot of money. That's a lot more than I would have been comfortable dropping. Um, but, you know, he, he's the salary reflects his skill level. Same with Real Muto. We were oh, yeah. linked to having talked to him, maybe kick the tires on him. Uh, but again, I'm glad we didn't invest that level of money on him because we don't really need it because we do have uh, some a decent glut of catchers in our system. Very much so. It's just so. a matter of them developing uh, yep. some more skills at the plate and no doubt about it. Uh, all eyes are going to be on Danny Jansen uh, in 2021 as far as what he's capable of producing. Uh, if not, there's a lot of guys out there who are going to have expiring contracts we can pick up. Um, I'm not. I'm personally, I'm not a huge fan of uh, catchers who can hit but aren't really great defensively. So guys like Gary Sanchez, I hope we stay away from. Um, but I would like somebody like, uh, gosh, what's his name in Kansas City? Sal Perez. Yes, give me some Salvador Perez. Salvador Perez is an awesome, an awesome catcher. Yeah. Can Very we talk good. about Salvador Perez? <laughs> I mean, we could um, if he wasn't locked up with Kansas City. <laughs> I know the dude has already played nine seasons uh, in the league. He's only thirty years old, gonna about yep. to turn thirty-one, and the dude is just oh my god. He's very, very just... good. But yeah, <laughs> he's Another one of the news. best catchers I think I've ever seen. <laughs> he I is very, very. Good, I know. Yeah. Like I don't know why I'm doing this, but like I can't. Like he didn't play in 2019. Um, but he had, uh, I just, yeah, had surgery. Yeah. Um, but the dude was so damn good last year, mm -hmm. uh, in 37 games for the Royals. And I just, I don't know, man, we need something like, we need, we need our own Salvador Perez to come up through our system and blow us all away. Yeah. Hopefully we have somebody in there that can do that. Um, uh, <laughs> in other news. <laughs> Somebody that we were both hoping the Jays would make a play for. Closer Brad Hand agreed to a one-year, $10.5 million contract with the Nationals. Uh, Jeff Passan tweeted, Here's the reality about Brad Hand. His fastball wasn't what it once was, and that had a demonstrable effect on his market. But as one evaluator, evaluator just said, his slider remains an excellent pitch, and he was smart to go to a one-year at a good number. So... Brad Hand's a, a Washington National, somebody else who won't really have to face a lot this year. And after we signed Kirby Yates, uh, that seemingly probably took us out of the Brad Hand market anyway. Yeah, fine. I didn't want Brad Hand anyway. I totally haven't. <laughs> I totally haven't been talking about Brad Hand in the last uh, ten weeks, wanting Brad Hand on this team. So no, fine. I don't want him anyway. I'm removing. I'm removing the Toronto Blue Jays from consideration for Brad Hand signing with us this season. <laughs> Now, in all seriousness, though, um, dude got paid $10.5 million. Uh, that's about what I expected to pay for him. I, I would have paid him eleven just if he was willing to take a one-year deal. Just bring <laughs> yeah. him into Toronto, pay him eleven or $12 million. Um, I'm not worried about the fastball at all. He's still one of the most effective relievers in baseball. He's left-handed, and uh, like they said, he's he's got a strong fastball still, and his slider is a killer, so... Yeah, well, uh, and glad, he, glad he didn't sign in the AL East. I'll say that. Yeah, yeah. Sticking with the National League, the Pittsburgh Pirates continued their decades-long fire sale um, by trading Jamison Taylon to the Yankees for a package of four prospects. We had actually talked about Taylon last week on our episode when we identified some trade targets that Jays could potentially go after um, for pitching. The Yankees didn't give up anything big. I don't really know anything about these prospects, but I looked at their rankings and yeah, they're nothing, nothing major, but the Rockies do get a package of four prospects for a young pitcher. 
Um, good deal for New York. The Jays will have to face this guy, who's a very good young pitcher. Uh, the Yankees had holes in their rotation after Jay Happ signed with the Twins, and it seems like they may not bring James Paxton back, who is still a free agent also. Um, but yeah, that's just an, a good baseball trade for the Yankees. Yeah, I mean, before we move on from this story, I mean, something's got to be said about what's going on in Pittsburgh. This is a team that has the most beautiful park in baseball. 100% That agree. should be yeah. filled to the brim with fans every game, and they have traded away more pitching talent in the last five seasons than any team has had, <laughs> including all the teams that have won the World Series and including yeah. uh, the Los Angeles Dodgers at their absolute peak and Clayton Kershaw at their absolute peak. This Pittsburgh Pirates team has pissed away more talent uh, than you could even imagine. Just all-star caliber players. Garrett just, Cole. Just, yeah, among Tyler Glasnow. Ta- Taylon, Tyler Glasnow. And they gave away Austin uh, Meadows to the Rays for Chris and Archer. And they, as well they too. got a busted up Chris Archer and they wasted him. And he's, yeah, like, and he's a, he's free, a free agent. agent. Yeah. yeah so. And it's just a, a mess. Terrible management in, in I, Pittsburgh. I, I, it's it's bizarre to me because I said it a few years ago in our early uh, early days of bad flips and maple dips, 2017, 2018, 2019, um, certainly not last year, um, but uh, Pittsburgh, they should have been way more competitive in an AL Central that's had teams uh, on the decline. Yep, they, they, they They were definitely – better than the reds three years ago they were they definitely wasted better. a lot of years of andrew mccutcheon too yeah in his prime so yeah yeah and josh they've... bell and it's just like the list the list of stars that they've had uh starling marta yep gone gone all gone just a memory it's just <laughs> oh my god unbelievable yeah. in... it sucks too that we got to face jameson Taylor now which isn't going to be fun I guarantee it's going to be a nightmare. Yeah, the Yankees always seem to bring in good rotation arms, um, and we play them a lot, so yay us. Um, In Cooperstown news, last year brought us the elections of Derek Jeter and ya boy Larry Walker, SpongeBob shirt-wearing Larry Walker, one of the goat shirts (laughs) of all time. Um, 2021, a different story. Nobody made the 75% threshold need to get in uh, to the hall. Kurt Schilling was the closest, followed by Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens. Scott Rowland made a really big jump again this year. Uh, I think it was his fourth or fifth year on the ballot, so he was over 50% for the first time. Omar Vizkelash took a little bit of a tumble after the uh, domestic uh, violence allegations against him. Next year will be Kurt Schilling, Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens, and Sammy Sosa's final years on the ballot. You have in here, who among them will get in? Hopefully none. Uh, Schilling <laughs> this week uh, tweeted out I want, wanted to share a letter that I wrote to the amazingly kind folks at the Hall of Fame uh, Schilling says that he is not wanting to participate he's requesting to re- be removed from the final year of voting he took a lot of heat for some uh, I'll, I'll say controversial uh, dickheadish remarks would be another word I would use for it on Twitter uh, Prickish. Yeah, we won't get into any politics and that kind of thing, but let's just say he uh, went after a lot of groups of people who he should not have. Uh, Billy Wagner gained 29 votes this year, and he is just below 50% at 46.4. Uh, Patrick has in here in all capitals, invest in Billy Wagner stock to the moon, boys. So. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Billy Wagner, it was only a sixth year of eligibility, so there's still plenty He's of time. got to- a chance, yep. Yeah, so we're seeing we're seeing a significant uptick in Billy Wagner's stock. Um, I'm excited to see what happens in 2022 because we're gonna have a real clusterfuck there with yeah. all, with Schilling, Bonds, Clemens, and Sosa all vying. Uh, although maybe not Sammy Sosa because I don't think he's cracked 30 uh, percent. No, yet. he will not get in. Uh, he won't get in, uh, and I highly, highly, highly doubt uh, Schilling, Bonds, or Clemens get in. Schilling because he's an a hole. Bonds and Clemens because they cheat it and then lied about cheating. Um, we don't yeah. like cheaters. Um, uh, and that includes players who cheat and then end up coming to Toronto. We just can't, <laughs> I can't get behind them. Um, yeah. But I will still continue to cheer for the team, of course. 
anyway um, um yeah enough about that invest in billy wagner stock boys yep the big gainers this year were todd helton scott Rowland, and andrew jones had a good year as well too once they released the full ballot list uh, our boy at not mr tibbs ryan thibodeau on on twitter will will hook us all up with the the final stats what a great follow not mr tibbs um adam jones tweets <laughs> out so there was give or take 14 slap dicks that just didn't vote for the hall of fame them slap dicks need to be tripped on a curb then stripped of their duties pathetic hall of fame isn't about if they said hello to your ashy kid it's about performance between the lines Ugh, simply aj10 coming out with fire <laughs> that's that's a ko um yeah. but you know what's annoying about this is that as much as I want to agree with him, uh, he's kind of wrong in that if that were the case, wouldn't Kurt Schilling already be in the Hall of Fame? <laughs> Very true. If, if he learned clause. to shut his mouth after yep. he retired, yeah. So you like can't character. Vote for, it's like if you it's like say Kurt Schilling say say uh say Larry Walker had murdered somebody they would not have elected Larry Walker <laughs> to the Hall of Fame like. Course not. Yeah, it's like there's there are character clauses and morality clauses that voters have to take into account. Like you can't just vote for somebody who was great for a twenty year big league career and then did some stupid stuff after it. It it should matter. So hundred yeah. percent agree matter. with 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 not voting for certain guys, but also um there were plenty of worthy candidates on the ballot that deserve at least that at least one of them deserves a vote. Um and for at least 14 people did not do that. So yeah, just, I, I'm with AJ on this one. It's not right. It's not right. I mean, I understand you don't have to vote for someone if you don't want to, or you don't feel they're deserving of the hall of fame. Uh, but look at this list of players. You're telling me none of them. You're telling me Scott Rowland doesn't belong in the hall of fame. You're telling me Billy Wagner doesn't belong in the hall of fame. Yeah. Throw somebody, throw somebody Mark a Burley? courtesy vote who, who may have missed the ballot. Like, just below five percent. Like throw somebody a vote just to give him another year. Like, my goodness. Yeah. You're telling me you're telling me uh vote for a guy like Burley or a guy like Tory Hunter who are just like great yeah. people and and pretty consistent ball players their full careers. Why not? You, but you don't anyway. have to vote for Manny Ramirez. You just <laughs> no. you, you just you don't you just, don't have to just vote check for a him. box. It's not vote that for hard. somebody though. Yeah. Um finally we're gonna do some rotation chat. Um the last thing to announce before then of course is that the Blue Jays did trade uh, my boy, Sean Reed Foley, RIP, uh, Yancy Diaz and Josh Winkowski, uh, an underrated prospect, to the Mets for Steven Matz. Matz is a left-handed pitcher who has been in the big leagues since 2015, has had some injury troubles, has had a couple of pretty good seasons. Um, his underlying statistics indicate that maybe his numbers do have some upside to them. He did not have a good 2020, but... With a lot of players, we've discounted their 2020s entirely just because of the weird season that it was. He only threw 30 innings, very small sample size. Um, Mats is a number five starter. This really will make it difficult for guys like Trent Thornton and Anthony Kay and Julian Merriweather and Ross Stripling to crack the Blue Jays' rotation. There is still a need for a bona fide number two starter um, and to get rid of Tanner Roark, but that may not be able to happen. Um, but when we look at our rotation, the, there, is, there, there are really, I'd say, three obvious choices to be in the rotation. The first being Hunjin Ryu, of course, the ace of our rotation. He was ranked by MLB as the sixth best starter right now in baseball when they were releasing all their top 10 rankings. Um Somewhere in the middle, we've got Nate Pearson and Robbie Ray. Now, Nate Pearson, of course, <clears throat> excuse me, we know he only has 36 innings pitched above AA. He has 18 in AAA, 18 in the bigs. We just talked about him being the 10th overall prospect. He averaged 96.3 miles per hour on his fastball in 2020. That was the average speed. The upside for Nate Pearson, Patrick, is ace. The floor is probably mid-rotation or, in the worst-case scenario, a legitimate late-inning closer. Um what does Nate Pearson need to do this year if the Blue Jays have any chance at playoffs? What does his stat line have to look like? It's a good question because <laughs> I Does he am pitch a full of, season? Like does he no. have the, the endurance? Yeah, I don't think he no. can. Um in fact, I would even argue that it's okay for Nate Pearson to pitch in AAA this season. I am 100% with you, but that is a spicy take that people will not like. 
Ooh, yeah, I know. That's going to give a lot of people indigestion. Yeah. Spice. But listen, just hear me out on this one. Uh, Nate Pearson is already a top 10 prospect in baseball. He's already demonstrated he has the ability to throw fastballs that can strike out the best batters in baseball. We saw him do so uh, many times uh, in his 36 innings pitched. However, um, the control wasn't quite there. Um, the patience, uh, the command, it's just not, he's not quite ready. I don't know if he will be ready in 2021. And I don't think it's fair to put him in that position. Yeah. Um, we, we did it with Vlad and it didn't pay off. We put him, we brought him up before he was. Yeah. And ready. it all went, it all kind of went to his head, I think, or, yeah. or you can look at it that way, or you can look at it as it went to his gut. Con- yeah. It, he lost control of uh, other external factors. Mm-hmm. Uh, that caused him to struggle uh, yeah. and even struggling he was still able to hit at least 270 <laughs> yeah which uh, which, which says a lot about Vlad as a pl- yeah, yeah it says a lot about Vlad that he could be and we'll talk about Vlad a lot in, in coming weeks in the offseason off work he's put in so it's uh we'll Ooh, talk about yeah. him lots uh getting back to Nate though um I think uh Nate's stat line for 2021 has to be zeros across the board in MLB and I think he's got to stay in the, the minors um, he needs to have a second and third pitch be just as strong as his fastball if he's going to be an ace. That it's means that curve and that change. Yep. He's got to work on the change, got to work on the curve. I don't know if he bothers developing a slider. If he's got the curve, you know, maybe talk to Clay Buckholtz a little bit. Maybe talk yeah. about talk change up with uh, talk some to Hunjin Ryu. He's got a good curve. He does, yes. Um, he could talk to some Jays uh, and some stars of uh, years past about change up, maybe. Uh, pick up the phone and call uh, the only unanimous Hall of Famer of all time who had the greatest changeup uh, in baseball, Mariano Rivera. Give him a call. See what he can tell you. Uh, do what you can. Find your resources and develop those pitches. Uh, and I think 2022 is going to be the big year for Big Nate. Yeah, I would Sad agree. Sad to say. I, I can see him coming up midseason at the latest or starting here and maybe not pitching well and then finishing in AAA. It's... The team is going to have a lot of pressure just because of the lack of mid to upper tier rotation arms that we have right now. There's there's only one that we have who is an, a true like top of the rotation guy, obviously with Ryu. Um, because if not Nate Pearson, who else? Robbie Ray is now our second best starter. Ooh. It's like, like we have this like group of like ten pitchers who could be a totally. four and five on any team in the league, but we're expecting two of them to pitch in a two and three role. Yeah, it's a lot to ask of somebody. And yeah. it, the good news is that Robbie Ray, while his walk rate was not good, atrocious, um, he's had an extended period of time now to work with Pete, uh, Pete Walker. And, you know, come reporting time, he's really going to get deep in the woods with Pete uh, when he reports in Dunedin. Yeah. Uh, if he hasn't already done so in an unofficial capacity. But this is Robbie Ray's year to really kind of sort himself out and get back to 2017, 2018 form. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think he still has the ability to do that. Oh, 100%. The The stuff is still great. Like the strikeout numbers haven't changed over the past five seasons. It's just the walks have climbed. Um, bad. He changed his delivery. He went back to more of his old delivery when he did come to Toronto. Um, his walk numbers didn't really change, but again, it's, there's always an adjustment period. Anytime that you're throwing mid nineties with a fastball and you change something ever so slightly, it's going to take you some time to like relearn that muscle memory. So hopefully he's put in some work this off season, um, getting strong and then being able to repeat that delivery when he's been throwing some early season bullpens. Um, yeah, I, I think that like, like I have in the notes here, even if Robbie Ray cuts the walks in half, he will have a drastically improved season. Like he still managed to strand three quarters of base runners last year. And he was giving yeah. away eight free passes per nine innings. So only two of those runners were scoring. Um, so, I mean, he's, he does a good job of stranding. He just needs to really harness that control. Um, Bolo potential Nate Pearson and Robbie Ray. We have the self-proclaimed uh, diesel engine, uh, Tanner Oerk, who tells us that he needs to, have some time to get going. He needs a, a, a large downhill stretch for him to pick up steam. Uh, he's like a freight train. 
he has a he Tanner Roark has a career three eighty three ERA. Patrick, I don't know if you were aware of that. It's about it's very similar to ERAs of Trevor Bauer and Marcus Stroman. But how he has yeah. gotten to that ERA is very different. Uh, he had low ERAs in his first season and a half, and then he also had a very good twenty sixteen when he was a two eighty three ERA pitcher. But besides that, he hasn't had an ERA below four point three since twenty sixteen. And he was a negative 0.6 war player in 2020. We owe him 12 million bucks this season. Uh, he's going to start for the Jays unless we can find a willing trade partner. There is no scenario in which Tanner Rorick pitches out of the bullpen um, because he would also not be happy about that and then would not pitch well and it would just be a waste of a roster spot. So if he's on this 25 man roster when the season starts, he is going to be in the rotation, hopefully as a number four or number five starter at best. Um, that's really all we can say about Roark. We know what he did. We know what he didn't do. Um, we're stuck with him. It's kind of like one of those situations where we, we can't, he's like a planter's wart on our foot. We just can't get rid of him. <laughs> I don't know about that. I think there are going to be a lot of teams that, uh, are going to need some kind of starting pitching. Maybe the pirates want him to fill out their poo-poo platter of rotation arms. There, there is... There is some chatter that I've seen that the Pittsburgh Pirates are looking around to see if they can find a veteran outfielder and a veteran starting pitcher to fill out their lineup. Well, well, well. It makes sense. I don't think the Jays get very much for either Tanner Rourke or Randall Gritchick. I think that was the implied uh, combination combination that we we would see traded. Somewhere Derek Fisher, Fisher breathes a sigh of relief. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> sorry. Uh, so <laughs> I was just yawning because I'm so bored of talking about Tanner Rourke. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, 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 I think Tanner Rourke gets dealt. I don't think he sees a single inning as a uh, J starter. And if he does, well, then I've got some questions as far as our rotation setup. I think that Trent Thornton is better than Tanner Rourke. Uh, in fact, I think Trent Thornton is better than Steven Matz too. Um, but we'll argue that here in a minute. Um, yeah. I don't know, man. We got a lot of like maybes, ifs, and you know, in a in a vacuum t- <laughs> scenarios of guys who have shown in the past they can do it. But I'm really not liking our rotation right now. Can Let's we, talk uh... about the fifth. Can we? I just want to bring up one thing about Randall Gritchick. I hate utilizing social media as like a an ooh kind of thing, but the yeah. only tweet Randall Gritchick has posted since the George Springer signing was hashtag Bell Let's Talk on the twenty eighth for Bell Let's Talk Day. So good on him for tweeting that, but nothing saying how how hyped he is to welcome this guy to the team. Yeah, because I think the. The writing is probably a little bit on the wall for Gritch. I don't believe the Jays move Guriel. Um, and I don't believe Teoscar Hernandez gets moved either because both of those guys are paid less and worth more than Randall Gritchick. So unless he's hoping to be a fourth outfielder, um, I believe the the time is, is limited for him in Toronto. Hopefully we can find him a, a good place to go. I, I, don't, I don't have anything against Randall Gritchick, but I think his time is just is up so yeah <laughs> yeah i think uh i think he knows it and i i mean i think everybody knows it and that's why he's kind of gone quiet what kind of sucks too is like he had that mix up with marcus stroman on uh social media earlier in the off season <laughs> which was both exciting and funny and stupid yeah um but it was great uh it was entertaining uh marcus stroman I never get tired of talking about his foolishness. Um, yeah, um, okay. I feel bad for I feel bad for Gritchuk. Let's talk about the fifth rotation Number spot. Number five though, because, spot. It's a cluster. Yeah, there, I'd say there's more intrigue in the fifth spot yeah. than there is anywhere else on the team. Um, I'm gonna read them in order of the Fangraphs depth chart. So, <laughs> Fangraphs has the Blue Jays rotation as Ryu, Ray, Roark, Pearson, Stephen Matz. Ross Stripling, Trent Thornton, TJ Zoic, Tyler Chatwood, Julian Merriweather. Um, no mention of Ryan Baraki because 
I believe that the Jays are pretty set on him being a relief pitcher going forward. No mention of Anthony K. And no mention of Anthony K. That is weird. Um, (laughs) But for me, I think the three logical outcomes are, A, Steven Matz is the front runner. Ross Stripling has the second best chance. And then I think Trent Thornton's in third. Um, The reason I have Stripling and Thornton there, because Ryu and Ray are both lefties. Matz is a lefty. You, three lefties in a rotation is intriguing to me with having Matz in there as the third guy, especially if you have Nate Pearson tossing gas in between two of the lefties would be awesome. And then you've got the the little engine that could Tanner Roark huffing and puffing his way through four innings a game. Um, oh God. Yeah. Um, but for me, I, I think that that Matz has the the most appealing number five to me. He's the, he, he's gotta be the front runner. Um, for his career, if we want to look at it, uh, his, his stats as a whole, strikes out eight and a half per nine and walks less than three. And the home run numbers outside of 2020 don't look terrible. Like they're league average. Um, if Matt stays healthy, he's a very high upside number five. Fangrass believes he'll pitch about 132 innings. And they also have Nate Pearson at 129 and Rowark at 138. So there's going to be some... There's going to be some flexibility in this rotation. Stripling is going to get a lot of innings. I think at some point, Thornton and Zoy could get innings as starting pitchers, and maybe Chatwood opens or is a bridge pitcher. For, there's going to be a lot of uh, starting by committee. Outside of Ray and Ryu, nobody is projected to be over 165 innings. So it's not a durable rotation. It's not a rotation <laughs> that's expected to... There's This isn't a Max Scherzer or a Justin Verlander or a Garrett Cole rotation. This is a uh, a hodgepodge jigsaw puzzle of a rotation. I do not envy Pete Walker and Charlie Montoyo's decisions to be made with this rotation throughout the season and who to fill in when guys inevitably do either get injured or aren't just aren't performing well. Um, yeah, I, I, I see Matt's winning this unless Stripling, Kay, or Thornton, or Merriweather or Zoic have just an incredible spring training. And maybe Nate Pearson doesn't. Well, there's a lot to lot to deal with here. <laughs> the first, not the least of which is that after Ryu, we don't, there isn't really anybody. There's no number two. There is no number two. We have Robbie Ray is uh, not a number two. We have about Sorry. eleven guys who could fit a role for number three to number five, depending yeah. on how you set up the rotation. Number three to number um, ten. <laughs> Yeah, it's just a it's just a mess. Ten man rotation question mark. He, well, I'm okay with six. I Might have to be think, a six. I even think seven is reasonable. The, the problem you face at that point is that you'll have too many guys will be waiting too long. Yeah. For their turn to start, and you can't be doing that. Some guys like uh, Ryu are built to pitch every fifth day, or every fifth game rather. Yeah, uh, and he, you know, for the amount of money we're paying him, and for his skill level, he should be. He should never have to pitch on short notice. Uh, it should be locked in every five days, as long as he's perfectly healthy. He should be pitching. Agreed. After that, you, I mean, it's more like a one-man rotation, and then you know, like a twenty-man <laughs> uh, do Bullpen. it by committee, and that's totally fine because that's kind of what's hap- what happened in Tampa Bay last year. Um, yeah, was there were they did a lot of mission mash of uh, of their rotations and it ended up working out quite well for them. Uh, and Charlie Montoyo manages in a similar style to Kevin Cash because he came from a Kevin Cash system. Yep. So let's dial it back here and we'll start with Nate. Um, and we'll preface this by saying this is what we would like to happen, not necessarily what will happen. We'll start with Nate. I think let's just call it and say Nate, AAA all year. Maybe a late season call up. I see Nate as a July call up. I don't see him as like a late season. I see him as like a uh, a mid season. Get him. I I would love to see Nate Pearson be a big league pitcher all season. Like I don't want to see him in AAA, but I think it's what he needs. Yeah. He Same. he showed that he wasn't ready in, in 2020. He pitched very poorly. The control wasn't there yet. He just needs to have... He's more experienced against good hitters. 
not great hitters in the big leagues. He needs more time in AAA. He needs to get that fastball command. Like you mentioned before, he needs to work on his secondary stuff because you can't get by in the big leagues alone on just your fastball because guys will sit on it and anybody can hit a 100-mile-an-hour fastball if they know it's coming. Yep, you need to have three great pitches to be an ace. Well, wow, Keith Law thinks ace, that uh, Kevin Biggio can hit a fastball, but... Oh my God. Let's not talk about Keith Law. Um, so Nate, let's say Nate probably won't factor into the rotation unless something weird happens between now and spring training. Uh, Robbie We're going to hate for that. <laughs> I know. I'm not saying injury. I'm saying like minor No, leagues. no, no, no. Yeah, I totally get it. But people, people um, want, I mean, I, we want Nate Pearson to be a big leaguer. Let's like, we yeah, both want him be. here and he will he be. He will be. He's just There's not a- ready. There's just no reason to rush it. Uh, I understand the window for the team to compete is open, but there's work to be done. Yep. You can't, you know, you got to walk before you can run. Yeah, our pitching this year needs to be built by external acquisitions. Uh, Robbie Ray, I think, is the guy out of this uh, hodgepodge that has the highest upside. As well as the highest floor. Um, I don't think he'll be walking eight batters per nine innings this year. Uh, I'd imagine it's going to be like you suggested. Even if it's four. Yeah. Yeah. Even if it's four, I mean, the average uh, uh, BBs per nine is, is steadily climbing uh, up around three to begin with. So being four, isn't really that critically bad. Um, It's not what you want, but I mean, at this point, it's what we got. Yeah. Um, Ray though, strikes me as a number three guy yes. and i think penciling him in in there is nice he's a righty is he not he is a lefty oh uh, he's left okay good ray so ryu and mats are all lefties Matthew okay Kay. um and actually i would argue that steven Matz should be four because i don't like the idea of back-to-back lefties um i want to keep that fifth spot open and i'll say who in a minute um tanner rourke though in the, uh, I don't want him on the roster at all. So I'm hoping <laughs> if if he has to be there, I'd like for him to be, since he's a righty, mm-hmm. uh, I would like for him to either be number five, or um, no, just number five. Um, Steven Matz should be number four. Uh, to space out the lefties a little bit. I don't like the idea of back to back lefties. I know we have a uh, our ace is a lefty. But I don't like it going five lefty and then first lefty. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I don't really think that matters too much when you go to a caliber of pitcher like Ryu. If we were going from Ray to Mats, it'd be a bigger a bigger deal. Yeah, um, maybe. I'm still not I'm still not wild on it, and I don't think he's a number five pitcher anyway. Um, Ross Stripling, I love as an opener. He's a guy who I know can do three innings for us get us a third of the way through the baseball game and barely give up anything. Yeah. And that way he's not expected to go out there and blow his arm before the end of July. <laughs> yeah. Trying to win us baseball games. Anthony Touché. K is a great follow-up to Ross Stripling because Anthony K is a lefty, if I'm not mistaken. Um, is he not? Yes. Anthony K is a lefty. Yes, so he, he can is. follow up Ross Stripling, who is a righty, uh, K has gas, and he was relatively effective in that role uh, throughout the season that we saw. I want the number five guy to be Trent Thornton because he deserves that opportunity. Uh, he proved it in that terrible 2019 season. Uh, he was hurt through most of 2020. He tried to fight through the injuries and all and all the foolishness to try to come back. I think he only played three games and he didn't look great. Um, but 2021, I think, is going to be a great year for Trent. He has gas. The guy can throw. Uh, and he has more than one pitch already. He's, In fact, he's got two that I think are very good. Thank you, Clay Buckholtz. Um, <laughs> but I think Trent should be the number five guy. And then you've got Julian Merriweather as the sixth man in a rotation. So he gets a start maybe every 12 games. Uh, and then does relief everywhere else. TJ Zoic, I think, starts in AAA. And Tyler Chatwood is going to be exclusive bullpen. Okay. Those, those are yours. Those are your picks? Yeah, so it'll go Ryu, blank, and we'll talk about who the blank will be later. 
uh, Robbie Ray, uh, Stephen Matz, and then Trent Thornton. Yeah. For me, obviously, Ryu's up top. I've got Robbie Ray in the number three spot. I've got Steven Matz in the number five spot. And right now, I've got Tanner Roark in the, in the four spot. Number two spot needs <laughs> to be a free agent. It's got to be, in my opinion, either Jake Odorizzi or Taiwan Walker. Um, I think those guys still are only number three starters at best, but based on what's available. Um, if it's not those guys, then I think it is Nate Pearson to start the season. The Jays do need to make a move free agent-wise. I don't think we signed James Paxton. We don't need another another lefty. Um, and I think James Paxton is going to be declining the rest of his career, unfortunately. I would love to see a two-year deal with a Walker or a two-year deal with a with a with an Odorizzi or even a Rick Porcello on a one-year deal is a better option than than Tanner Roark. <laughs> so whatever we can do to get a number two starter and to replace Tanner Roark, I think that makes our rotation much more solid. Just say hypothetically, we could have a rotation of Ryu, uh, Walker, Ray. Um, Porcello and then Steven Matz or even if you don't sign Porcello you throw a Trent Thornton in number four or a Ross Stripling in number four that's much better than than having uh, Tanner Roark as a number four starter and having no number two so and then if you have a guy get hurt Nate Pearson comes up from AAA and fills in if you had to pick one guy uh, on the free agency market who's not Trevor Bauer to be our number two guy if you had to pick one out of Taiwan Walker, James Paxton, Matt Shoemaker, Jake oh Odorizzi, and Rick Porcello. Who do you pick? Tough question. I think I go. I think I go Walker. To be honest with you, I feel the same. I think uh, Odorizzi say... might be the better, the better overall player, but we know Walker, and I think Man. that he fits well with our young core. He got the short end of the stick with. Uh, the way that they set up who the was playoff rotation. Games. Yeah. Um, and I wanted to see him have a chance to pitch in the playoffs. I mean, he took it in stride and he said nothing but nice things about the Jays on social media since the end of the season. Uh, I think it's pretty clear to me based off of his interviews, he would be excited to work with Pete Walker. Yeah. Um, I'm expecting what will happen is Bauer will sign somewhere and then immediately the Jays will make an offer to Taiwan Walker, uh, and their backup is probably uh, Jake Odorizzi. Uh, and the backup backup is probably Big Maple, James Paxton. Yeah, I agree. Um, but... Paxton, though, has it, there's a steep decline as far as uh, quality of starters after James Paxton. I don't have any trust in Matt Shoemaker anymore, and Rick Porcello is getting up there. And I think Paxton has more established stuff. So, baby, come back. I want Taiwan <laughs> Walker back. We need him back. He would be such a great number two and a great complement to Ryu's skill set. He's an aggressive pitcher. He's like Bob Gibson in, the, in the, that he attacks the plate. He's not afraid. He, he's not going to throw junk. He wants to strike guys out. He wants. He's like Marcus Stroman, except he doesn't say stupid stuff. Um, but yeah, there's going to be a lot of changes in, in baseball in the next three weeks. There's a lot of free agents left to sign. I got to believe that Bauer signs before spring training. I don't see him holding out into the middle of a season. No, um, I don't think he gets the big deal he wants though. I think he'll end up going on a one year deal somewhere where it'll be like one year and 23 million or something like that. And the point of it will be, uh, to show, everyone uh that he is capable of being a super ace or whatever you want to say yeah um that's just my thoughts yeah but uh we'll wrap it up there for this week um again hopefully we have some better pitching news coming out of blue jay land in the next in the coming weeks here but uh again follow us on twitter at bfmd podcast give us a review ask some questions uh, feel free to mention us if you think we're dumb or whatever you want to call us. I don't know. But uh, I want to give a quick shout out. Uh, there was uh, some folks yesterday who did uh, tweet at us um, saying that they liked us as a podcast. So appreciate you all for uh, 
coming out and, and recommending us to other Blue Jay fans. We love that. Um, for Patrick, it's Justin out here in Saskatoon saying see you next time. Bye.